This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Scratch Labs. To save 20% off your Scratch Labs purchase, use the code HOLLY20, that is H-O-L-L-E-Y 20, or the link in the show notes. Hey, everybody. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am your podcast host today. I am also a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and we are going to be diving into another supplement myth-busting series episode. This one, we're going to cover melatonin, the uh, sleepy, sleepy hormone um, or supplement that you may be thinking of. Um, I'm pretty excited to cover this. I actually learned quite a bit researching this topic and just working with, um, clients in the past few years to have learned a lot more about melatonin. Um, because I kind of noticed that a lot of people were taking it, um, who were struggling with their sleep. Um, and a lot of people who were taking it weren't really sure if it was helping them or not. <laughs> so I was pretty excited to, get this its own episode because I definitely think it deserves some coverage. Now, just before we get into today's topic, um, got to put out my disclaimer. Obviously, this is a podcast episode, so this is not a replacement for individualized medical advice or medical nutrition therapy, and you should always talk with your qualified healthcare provider before taking supplements or altering your supplement or medication plan. So now that we've got that covered, let's learn some stuff about melatonin together. So like all of these episodes, we'll first cover what melatonin is. So melatonin, like I mentioned before, is actually a hormone. Um, It is made in the body by the pineal gland in the brain. It's also actually an antioxidant. And there has been some further research um, being put into place for using larger doses of melatonin in like cancer related studies. Um, So that's kind of interesting as well. Melatonin also um, is responsible for basically decreasing alertness and it also decreases our core body temperature. So what is a common misconception is that melatonin like makes us fall asleep. (laughs) Um, And I know a lot of people listening may be like taking melatonin in the hopes that it will make them fall asleep but that's not necessarily the full story. So we're going to dive more into the weeds of that in this episode. So yes, melatonin does play a role in sleep and in our circadian rhythm. Um, And basically our body starts producing it in response to darkness. So this is like one of the really cool things about I'm going to get like really like far out here, (laughs) but this is one of the really cool things I think about the human body and the earth and just how the world works um, is that basically upon the sun setting and it getting dark outside, like our bodies release a hormone that tells us that we should be less alert. Our body temp's going to decrease and we're going to essentially probably get a little bit sleepy or more calm, right? Because of those things. Obviously, there's other stuff into play too as to why this happens, which we'll talk about in this episode. Um, But this is also one of the reasons why if you live somewhere where you experience like winter or just change of seasons where daylight is something that becomes reduced in this time of the year, um, you may notice that you're just more tired and you're just like less alert, less willing to do stuff (laughs) in those times of year. And that's directly linked to, yeah, there not being as much light. Um, your body may be producing more melatonin. 
and kind of going into that hibernation mode, right? So um, kind of just a fun fact there. So if you're like, dang it, why am I so tired in the winter? And why am I so much more willing to do stuff in the summer? Uh, That could be why. (laughs) Um, It's not, you know, it's not that you're crazy. It's just your body doing its thing. Um, So actually, our ideal sleep window for most circadian rhythms is somewhere between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. So some people find like that they naturally have like a time where they get sleepy and want to go to bed. Um, And I know when I talk to a lot of runners who try to go to bed like on the earlier side, like at eight or nine, so that they can wake up super early to run, sometimes that adjustment can be hard because you have like a hard time falling asleep. Um, And that again, that's just our bodies are naturally inclined to want to go to sleep between like 10 and six. So if we have outside stuff happening in our schedule, that's essentially altering that. That's one reason why it might feel a little bit more forced. Now we can train our bodies to like adjust and have a different schedule. Um, But again, if you're kind of like, why is this so hard? That, you know, might be why it's not just that you're crazy. So One fun fact is that, well, it's not fun, but one fun fact is that people these days um, in the 2020s sleep about two and a half hours less on average per night than people did in the 1970s. Um, Some of that can be linked to electronics, um, having more like access to responsibilities at our fingertips, um, and also artificial light, um, which we'll talk about as well. So kind of an interesting fact there, people are also more stressed and, um, in some ways less healthy than they were back then too. And I don't think it's really fair to say that in a vacuum. Um, but there are definitely some links to why we are the way that we are today. And the fact that we're sleeping less than we did several decades ago. So kind of an interesting fun fact there. So Again, I just said melatonin does not solely make you fall asleep. Melatonin is responsible for, like I said, decreasing alertness, core body temp, and essentially setting you up for sleep. However, there's also another thing that needs to happen in conjunction with melatonin increasing when the sun goes down, um, and that is our cortisol awakening response. I could probably do a whole episode or even a whole series (laughs) on cortisol. Maybe I'll do that next year. Um... But cortisol essentially is our stress hormone to kind of cover it briefly. And it also is supposed to have a pattern throughout the day. So it's not supposed to just stay at the same level throughout the day. It's supposed to be it's most elevated in the morning, which kind of makes sense, right? We want to be like alert and, you know, have a little bit of oomph to get us out of bed and wake us up. And then we want that to go away by the end of the day so that we can fall asleep. So Cortisol also needs to be low in the evening in addition to melatonin being more elevated in order to make sleep happen. So again, we're going to talk a little bit in conjunction about things that suppress melatonin production and ways that we can increase that. But know that this needs to go directly in conjunction with proper stress management and having a good stress response. Because if you're doing all the things for melatonin, if you're taking a melatonin supplement because you can't sleep, but your stress is out of whack you're not eating enough, you're doing fasted workouts, you're doing stuff that's going to make your cortisol chronically high, you're going to still have a really hard time going to sleep and getting good quality sleep, even if you're taking enough melatonin to knock out an elephant. 
Our melatonin levels also decrease with age, um, which is why if you are noticing that your sleep is not as good as it was when you were younger, that's one reason why that can actually happen. Um, melatonin. So in terms of like what it is and what it does, I think we kind of covered that. But within itself, you're probably thinking, well, it's a hormone that my body makes, but I can also buy it in a bottle at the store, <laughs> right? Melatonin can be found outside of the human body in supplements and also in our food. Um, so there are actually several like natural sources of melatonin in food, um, which I'll list a couple here. So tart cherries, you've probably all heard of that, like tart cherry juice. That's something you should drink before bed because it decreases inflammation. It's a natural source of melatonin, yada, yada, yada. Um, grapes and strawberries are also a good source of melatonin, nuts, eggs and fish, milk, tomatoes and peppers. Hey, the nightshade vegetables. Wonder why they're called that. Probably because they have melatonin in them. <laughs> Mushrooms as well. So um, some of these have melatonin in them naturally occurring and others may be elevated sources, um, of tryptophan, which is a precursor, um, to something that can increase the production of melatonin. So those things might be helpful to have before bed because they have melatonin in them. But also, I don't know about you, but if you drink or have a bunch of like peppers before bed, sometimes like digestion wise, that might not be the best. So take that all with a grain of salt, but there are naturally um, occurring sources of melatonin. Um, melatonin is also found in milk and in human and animal breast milk, um, which again is why you might've heard of like drinking milk before bed as a way to make you sleepy. Or if you've ever, you know, breastfed, a child, like they kind of get sleepy. <laughs> um, that's one reason why that can happen as well. When it goes into the supplement form of melatonin, there's a couple things that we want to consider since as we know from previous supplement myth busting episodes, if you've listened to them in the past, and if you haven't, I'll say it again here, supplements are not regulated by the FDA in the United States of America, which means that they're all over the place. <laughs> they basically it's the wild west. Like we don't have to really, um, label what's in the product. And if we do, there's no guarantee that that's what's actually in the product, unless they have been third party tested by a credible source. So when looking for melatonin supplements, I do recommend looking for a third party tested supplement. You could look for NSF sport or informed choice or informed sport, um, label certifications. Those are typically reputable. And know that there was actually a study done just to kind of drive this point home <laughs> um, that showed about 71% of melatonin supplements um, had melatonin levels that were at least 10% or more different than what was on the label. So again, that's like most of them, <laughs> right? So we want to look for, um, you know, a good quality supplement if supplementing melatonin is something that we are going to do, which I'll talk about if we should do that in a second. Looking at doses, typically melatonin um, dosing for sleep is best in about 0.5 to 3.0 milligram doses. And know that if you take like a dose of melatonin and you wake up and you feel like really groggy, really sleepy, it could have been that one, you didn't take it at the right time or two, um, that the dose was way too much. And that can be even in something that's a lower dose. Um, it kind of depends on the person, how they respond to it and what their melatonin levels are already. So that's something to keep in mind. And contrary to popular belief, we don't want to just pop a melatonin and go to bed. <laughs> um, melatonin, we really want to take about two hours before our bedtime to help mimic that circadian rhythm. 
Otherwise, you might be groggy in the morning. So make sure you're taking the lowest effective dose for you two hours before your bedtime if you are going to take melatonin. Otherwise, it might backfire and you might wake up feeling a lot more tired. Let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode. Thank you to Scratch Labs for sponsoring this episode of the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast. Scratch Labs, if you haven't already heard of them, is a hydration company and sports nutrition company that is simple, delicious, and based on science. It was originally actually started by exercise physiologist Dr. Alan Lim and with pro cyclist and retired pro cyclist champion Ian McGregor. Um, Scratch Labs is my absolute favorite hydration product. If you've been listening to this podcast, even before they sponsored it, you've heard me talk about Scratch Labs. Um, it has brought me through many different races, many different training cycles, several PRs, and I've been using it for years. In particular, my favorite products of theirs are the strawberry lemonade and the pineapple um, hydration mix for sports hydration, which is my absolute favorite to use during like half and full marathon training. And it's also really helpful just to help me carb load. It has a very subtle and delicious flavor and they use real sugar to sweeten their products, which I absolutely love as a sports dietitian because carbohydrates, AKA sugar is something that is very well researched to be beneficial to take during exercise and can actually help with the hydration process as well. Um, if you think back to previous episodes on artificial sweeteners, you'll know that artificial sweeteners do not contain carbohydrates. And therefore, it might just not be the best bang for your buck to choose something with artificial sweeteners as your sports nutrition product for during something like a marathon where we need to take in carbohydrates. And that's why I love Scratch Labs products. I also really love their recovery powder. The cinnamon horchata in particular is one of my favorites. It tastes just amazing, um, and it's really easy to drink after coming in from a hard workout. If you would like to save 20% off on your Scratch Labs purchase, you can visit the link in the show notes and use code HOLLY20 at checkout, which is spelled H-O-L-L-E-Y-2-0. Now let's get back to today's episode. So who is melatonin a good idea for in terms of supplementation? Melatonin can actually be a good idea if you have a melatonin deficiency that you have confirmed through some lab work. This is something that I can actually see when my clients do the Dutch test, which is a dried test for comprehensive hormones. It's a urine test um, that some of my clients will do who have hormone-related symptoms. And melatonin is something that comes up on there. Um, I actually don't see a ton of true melatonin deficiencies, um, which is why some people might be taking melatonin who don't really need to be <laughs> taking melatonin, when instead they may need to be addressing their cortisol stress response um, and other sleep hygiene habits that would improve their sleep. Um, and taking melatonin is really just going to be like putting a drop of water in a bucket. <laughs> so something to think about if you haven't ever had your melatonin levels assessed. It can be useful if you have um, diagnosed insomnia, um, which can be age-related as well. And again, there are other things to consider in addition to the treatment of insomnia other than solely melatonin supplementation. And it might be helpful to have that melatonin level assessed before just kind of reaching for and paying for a supplement. It can be helpful if you have jet lag. Note that people who are pilots who are monitored by 
the FAA um, would want to check on rules about that. Typically, if you don't have any side effects that are negative for melatonin, it is something that you can take, but you want to be mindful of the dosing rules and regulations around that if you are monitored by the FAA. But if you're just a traveler, you're not flying the plane, <laughs> um, you may also benefit from melatonin supplementation. If you want more like instructions on how to do that, make sure you go check out the episode I did a couple months ago on sleep with sleep expert, Dr. Amy Bender, because she talked about that quite a bit in the episode. Melatonin supplementation can also be helpful for people who do shift work and may have shift work related sleep disorder. So if you're someone who constantly works like the night shift um, and you're trying to sleep during the day, again, that goes against our body's natural circadian rhythm. You might've heard me say 10 PM to 6 AM as ideal sleep window before and laughed at me and said, that's when I go to work. <laughs> um, and if that's you, melatonin might be something that you have to manually <laughs> insert into your life because you are basically working against your biology by holding that schedule. That's not shade to you. I'm very grateful for people who work night shifts, um, but just note that that might be an extra uphill battle for you. It may also be helpful for PTSD, brain injury, neurodegenerative disorders, and people with migraines. However, again, there can be a lot of reasons why those happen. Um, so it for migraines, essentially. Um, so it can be helpful to assess the root cause of that before slapping on a supplement. It may also help those populations in terms of like, what does it actually do for me if, I, if it's working? Like, how do I know if it's working? You know it's working if it improves the duration and quality of your sleep, especially your ability to fall asleep quicker. Um, but again, it's not something that will automatically make you fall asleep, but it should make that process a little bit more efficient if you are typically someone who kind of lies there wide awake. Um, but again, it's not going to cancel out bad nutrition habits that may cause you to lie there awake or poor stress management or poor sleep hygiene habits. So we want to work on those too before just taking a supplement and asking it to solve all of our problems. It may be a less invasive way than taking um, like prescription sleep medications or beta blockers to have you fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, so it could be something you try first before relying on some of those more heavy duty medications. Um, and it might just basically help you have a more regulated circadian rhythm, especially if your particular profession or lifestyle really is a factor um, that's going to prevent you from having a natural circadian rhythm. Like if you are someone who's like a pilot or a flight attendant, or you work the night shift, um, all things to consider there. Melatonin is not a good idea for people who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, it's something you would want to talk to your OBGYN about. It's not a good idea for the elderly or people with dementia. Um, not a good idea if you're on dialysis, if you have impaired liver function, it's for certain autoimmune conditions, and it may interact with other medications. So that is something to keep in mind as well, which is why this is not a replacement for medical advice. We want to talk with our doctor or our qualified healthcare professional. It's also not a good idea if we have a high risk for bone injuries, um, or again, if you wake up feeling more groggy, you just may not be a good candidate for taking melatonin. You may either want to check on the timing of when you're taking it and the dose and reduce it if needed. Um, so you might be saying, okay, melatonin, like sounds kind of cool, might be like a decent idea for me, but like, how can I improve my overall sleep if I'm not wanting this to be a magic bullet situation since it's not, um, 
So here are some ways to naturally improve your sleep. And again, I have a whole podcast episode on this a couple months ago with Dr. Amy Bender. So if you want more in-depth analysis from a real sleep professional, um, go check that episode out. But what we can do is we can try to optimize our cortisol awakening response. That's one way that we can improve our melatonin um, reaction, basically. So one way we can test for this is, again, by working with someone who does cortisol testing. I do cortisol testing via the Dutch test. Um, it comes with a saliva test where you swab your mouth several times throughout the day so that, again, we can get that cortisol pattern. A lot of blood tests um, come with cortisol with them. Like I know Inside Tracker has a cortisol on its panel. Um, blood cortisol is not as useful. It can be handy, but it's really not useful for detecting that pattern because again, cortisol, it's supposed to be its highest in the morning and then fall by the evening. So if we're only taking a blood test at one point during the day, we don't really have any way to know if it's following the pattern it's supposed to be following throughout the whole day, unless we do like multiple blood tests throughout the day, which is why I do saliva-based testing because it's easy to swab your mouth <laughs> several times throughout the day. So that's always something you can do with a professional like me who does that type of testing to see where you're at and what you need to do. Um, so we want to optimize our stress management and our cortisol response so that basically it doesn't get in the way of melatonin. We also want to avoid artificial light one to two hours before bed. Like I said, darkness is what basically triggers melatonin production. <laughs> so if you're constantly being bombarded by lights in your house, lights from screens, TVs, laptops, tablets, phones, it's going to decrease your melatonin production and make it harder for you to fall asleep. So really getting rid of that good sleep hygiene is a good idea. If you absolutely can't get rid of that, consider wearing blue light blocking glasses consider keeping your TV out of the bedroom. Um, that's something that's always been like a hard rule for me. I've never had a TV in my bedroom because I know that it would wreck my sleep essentially. So if that's something that you currently have going on, consider putting it into a different room and even watching TV in there if you want to, and then going into your own bed that's nice and dark and cool for sleeping. Um, we also want to make sure that we're getting adequate sunlight um, throughout the day. And it can be especially helpful to get a good dose of sunlight in the morning. So waking up and going outside, even if it's not sunny out, um, going outside, being in the light, um, that can be super helpful again for circadian rhythm. If you just don't have access to that, or you're trying to do an artificial version of that because of your schedule, um, you might consider getting like a happy lamp and exposing yourself to that in the morning. And you'll notice too, if you get up in the morning and you're kind of moseying around in the dark, isn't it harder to be awake? Like it's easier if you turn all the lights on <laughs> to be awake and be more alert. So again, light exposure in the morning um, can be really helpful for circadian rhythm and getting adequate vitamin D in general, whether that's from the sun or if you have to supplement because you've done blood work on vitamin D and notice you have a deficiency, that's super helpful for melatonin production as well. Getting adequate magnesium and B vitamins is also super helpful. Um, this has to do with a lot of basically how the, how the body works, which I know is super vague. Um, but B, B vitamins are involved in a lot of different methylation and energy processes and also reactions that detox our body from hormones. Um, so is magnesium. It's the fourth most abundant mineral in the body, and it's involved in a lot of different reactions. Um, so having adequate magnesium in B vitamins is something that is super important for 
good sleep hygiene. Again, these are things that you would want to get tested um, or work with a dietitian before just blindly taking a supplement. Although I will say most people, it probably wouldn't hurt them to take a low dose magnesium bisglycinate supplement in the evening. It can help you relax and go to sleep. And we know that about two thirds of Americans are magnesium deficient. <laughs> so if there's one supplement you take blindly, again, this is not medical advice, but magnesium bisglycinate at night may not be a bad idea. Making sure you're eating enough in general and getting enough protein in your diet. These are super important things. Um, I can't stress enough like how important these basics are. Like if you're not doing these things and you're just trying to take a melatonin supplement and you're sleep suffering, like it's not because you're doing the melatonin wrong. It's because you're missing out on these low hanging fruits that are a really big deal if you do them and a really big deal if you don't do them. So Making sure you're eating enough in general, super important. If you are training for like a half full marathon triathlon race of some sort, or if you're just an active person, if you increase your activity levels, you should be sleeping like a rock. So one of the biggest red flags for me as a practitioner is if someone is training really hard and they're having a hard time sleeping. So that like wired but tired phenomenon, which is super frustrating when you're an athlete. I've been there myself. Um, a lot of the times that has to do with, again, a cortisol awakening response that's elevated or not appropriate because, um, exercise increases our cortisol levels because stress is stress is stress and cortisol is our stress hormone. So if they're not, if that's not coming down, that can be one reason you're not sleeping. And another reason is because you're not eating enough. So again, if you're not eating enough, or if you're just overtraining and you're not recovering super well, or if there's too much other stress going on in your life for the amount of training that you're doing, those are things that absolutely need to be addressed and are a red flag um, if you are working really hard and not sleeping well. So that's all she wrote on melatonin. Hopefully this episode was helpful and you came away with some key takeaways on melatonin. Basically, it's a pretty decent supplement if it works well for you and if you're taking it correctly and if you have all these other sleep hygiene things in place. A lot of people won't even need melatonin if they have appropriate sleep hygiene in place. Um, I personally don't respond well to melatonin. That's why certain products that are really popular in the professional athlete circle are not sponsoring this podcast episode because I've tried them. I've been sent them. I've been paid to talk about them, but turned it down because they don't work for me. So I'm not going to advertise it on my show. Um, so when it comes to melatonin, yeah, go through some critical thinking, see if it's something you think would be helpful for you. If you're not sure, work with someone like me or check with your doctor um, and know that there's no magic bullet for sleep. It's usually, unfortunately, like anything else, a conglomeration of things that is going to be the most helpful. If you are interested in a new product and service that I am offering, I'm super pumped about this, especially because it is one one of the most affordable things that I offer. And two, there's no limit to how many people can join, which is like amazing um, because I'm constantly, as you guys know, running out of space for one-on-one -on -one clients and can only host so many groups at a time as well. Um, and that is my Fueled Up membership where basically whenever I do a masterclass, I add it to this membership and I'm gonna be doing a masterclass on a different topic each month. Um, so my monthly masterclasses, you'll have access to all of them as a part of this membership. 
You can also just sign up for individual masterclasses if you're not sure you want to be paying a membership. But I will say it's going to be more expensive to do it that way if you end up signing up for all of them. If you sign up for the membership now, you're going to get access to several masterclasses right away from the past few months. You'll get access to the recordings of my travel nutrition masterclass, my perform well period masterclass, which is about performing well any time of the month of the menstrual cycle. You'll also get access to my am I fueling enough masterclass on preventing under fueling and also my race day fuel plan masterclass on going over carb loading, creating a race day during the run fuel and hydration plan and what that should look like. So you get access to those right away. The one I plan on doing this month that this episode is coming out is on blood glucose, on carbohydrate metabolism and insulin resistance. Super pumped to talk about some of my favorite topics. So if you want to sign up for this, it's 39 bucks a month. That's cheaper than most of those individual masterclasses cost on their own. And you can do that at the link in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Until next time, happy running. 